Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing? Amen. I was just telling Dylan, I was like, uh, you know, that definition he gave us of stewardship is like everyone's theme now, you know, for stewardship. Praise the Lord. How we manage our lives in response of God's love. Amen. Amen. Come on, give God a round of applause. Amen. Come Praise on, man. Wow. 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 So before we get into the meat of today's word, we're just going to set a little bit of a foundation. We were speaking about last week about how we don't take things by force, amen? And how Jesus says clearly in his word, out of his own mouth, in the red letters, and in uh, Matthew 6, what does he say? He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his right way of doing things, his righteousness, his heart, mm. the king's heart, okay? And all the things that the pagans or the unbelievers chase after will be added unto you. That's it. And I was, I was just listening to a leadership thing a couple of years ago, and, and I remembered this this morning. Now, as I just quickly jotted it down. You know, Jesus is the perfect example of that. Did you guys know that? Mm. He seeked first God's will in his life. Amen. He did only what God told him to do. Amen. He sacrificed all of his dreams, all of his uh, everything for the kingdom. Amen. Did you know that Jesus never, ever had a degree? But today, Christians, Buddhists, Muslims, almost every religion out there still revere him as the greatest teacher. But he never had a degree. Did you know that Jesus never went to university? <laughs> but today... There are thousands of universities, schools, and learning centers and institutions that are built on the wisdom of Jesus. Hello? Amen. Did you know that Jesus never built a building? He never built one building. In actual fact, he said, break down this building and I'll rebuild it. Yeah. And it won't be of brick and mortar. Yeah. Amen? He never built one building family. But today he has, he only had 12 disciples, no buildings. But today, 2,000 years later after his ministry, the ministry that seeked first the kingdom of God, he has over 2 billion followers on this planet. And that's only those that are alive now. What about all those over the, over the generations? Do you believe his words when he says, seek first the kingdom? Think about what I'm telling you. This is the promise. That's it. We're chasing all these things, and he says, forget about all that stuff. Do what I say. Chase after me. Come and get my heart. Come and seek my kingdom, and I will give you all the dreams of your heart. I will give you way beyond what you are going to be able to attain in your own flesh, in your own little that own little vision of yours, me, myself, and I. Amen? Yeah. Turn to the person next to you and say, guys, or brother, or sister, or... No, we don't have any of the other mixtures here, but the hybrids. <laughs> say, it's all about the kingdom. So there's a couple of notes before we get into the, the mechanisms of the kingdom and what the kingdom is all about. But, can, but just can you, can you comprehend what I just said? He never went to university, never had a degree. He wasn't a president. 
He never built buildings and, and, and cities. But the word says that his kingdom will reign forever. Where's it? Where's this kingdom? Where's this kingdom? Today, the teachers of the church, the pastors in the church, the religious leaders, they're just like Pharisees. They're chasing after building big buildings and having thousands of people in their centers. And they're even establishing schools and Bible schools and all these things so that they can have legacy. I heard a pastor say in 2000, and, was it 2017? He said he went back to his hometown, Haiti. And all the stuff that was built by men was completely leveled by the storm. And he walked out of that place and he said, what is the legacy of the church here? Everything's gone. Yes. Hmm? Thanks, Harris. He walked out of it and he's like, everything that we were told that God wanted to build here has been destroyed in a couple of hours. We were told that this is what it's all about, gaining ground, building uh, buildings, taking land, doing all these things. Today we're watching them on, 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 on uh, uh, what's it, social media. All the Christians are about taking back Israel, taking back ground, taking back this, fighting for that. Jesus never once came here for us to take ground. He said his kingdom will last forever. It's not about great cities, structures, titles. It's not about great pastors. It's about how great our God's kingdom is. And where's this kingdom? See, those that couldn't get it, they were in the flesh, they would be in the word 24-7 and they still couldn't understand what Jesus said when he said, pray like this, our Father, who art in? So he was establishing, okay, hold on. There's another place that he's in. He's not here. And then he said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So he was saying, pray like this. Pray about that kingdom in heaven, which is a different kingdom to this one. Pray that it comes from there to yeah. Are you with me? That's what the prayer was. He said, this is the pattern. He didn't say pray that we all go to heaven. He said, pray that the kingdom of heaven comes yeah. And then when they couldn't get this, they couldn't understand this, they fought with him. Because his kingdom was not of this place. He said it, he said it with his own, his own mouth. He said it to Pilate. They couldn't stand this because for them the kingdom was about gaining ground. It was about establishing something in the physical. And that's why they hated him with a passion. They despised every word that came out of him. After he would speak, it's written, they would go and they would plot how to kill him. And his message was a message of love, righteousness, peace. Why would you want to kill someone like that? Have you ever thought of that? Why would anybody possibly want to kill somebody who's speaking about love, peace, truth, a kingdom that's not here? He's telling you, I don't want your stuff. I'm not interested in your stuff. Why, would, why do you want to kill me? 
Have you ever thought of that? Why would you want to kill someone who doesn't want to take anything from you? Why do you want to kill somebody who's going, I'm not here to take anything from you, oppress you, uh, uh, um, build something bigger than you, take, uh, are you with me? Why would you be offended by him? You must be twisted. Today we, we have these religious leaders are sitting in these great cities that are are filled with tunnels full of gold that they've uh, raped and pillaged from other places in the name of God. The city of Vatican, the Vatican. <laughs> the Pope sits with his funny hat. Man, you couldn't pay me to wear that hat. That's not a crown, who's he? Huh? Sits in the great city of the Vatican. Do you know that it's the only city that is actually sits as a nation? It's registered as a nation. Why? Why? Because religious people have a plan to build a nation for God in the name of God, but to fill the lust of their bellies. And they will use the name of Jesus to do it. They will use the name of the one who said, my kingdom is not here. I don't want anything from you. I don't want to build anything here. I want hearts. How can you hate someone like that? How can you be offended by that message unless you think you're either greater or your kingdom that you must establish here is of a higher purpose? Or deep down in your heart, you don't actually want him in his kingdom. You want what your heart wants. There's no other reason why you would be offended by that message. There's no other reason why you would hate someone that speaks like that. Hello? Can we think about these things? So there's a couple of points before we get into it, Bash. I just want to establish, you yeah. know. And we've got to understand... We have a men's meeting at, at uh, Mr. Miranda's place on a Thursday, and uh, this, this week we were visited by a, a Calvinist, oh, and, yeah, and he came in there, and it was all about his purpose, his ministry, what God has called him to do, and what he's going to do, and this going to and he's a Joshua. I was like, listen, brother, there was only one Joshua, you're not Joshua. No, 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 I'm Joshua. I am like Joshua. I was like, no, you're not. Your name's, I think his name was Verna. I said, you're Verna. Yes. And he was like, no, but I have to see myself as Joshua. And I said, no, you don't. You see yourself in Jesus. No, but we call to go through what Joshua. No, 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 no. Jesus went through all of that so that yeah. you can enjoy his kingdom. And he just didn't want to get it. Why? Because he wants to establish something in this place from his lack to make him feel worthy. Exactly. Amen? Yeah. He just couldn't get it. So eventually he just walked away. Yeah. Couldn't get it. The main purpose of the scripture is where God calls out a nation from a nation. And he calls that nation a kingdom of priests. The first thing he tells Moses to the people in Israel, the first thing he says to them, go to them. Let's go to Exodus 19, 6. Let me double check. 
We've got to establish these things. Okay, we've got to understand what the gospel is all about because the church has become so self-centered, self-motivated, self-seeking. That's why we come to worship. We come to worship with all our problems. And, oh, God, help me. God, set me free. Listen, God's game, forget about all that stuff. Forget about you. This is about me. I'm God. Find yourself in me and everything else, I promise. I'm a God of my word. I will give it to you. But establish your heart on my kingdom, my principles, my ways. Amen? I mean, how's God supposed to establish a, 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 a nation that will bless other nations if the nation is a bunch of crybabies with wet diapers? I don't change my nappy. I need help. I need this. I need that. Help me, Lord. That's what most of the church's worship sounds like to God. But when God looked at Abraham, he looked, listen to me, listen, guys. Do you know when God sees you, when God looks at you, he is such a God of expansive purpose that he doesn't even see you in this time frame, in this second, in this moment. When he sees you, Kalen, he's talking to the, he's talking to the, your sperm cells, brother. He's talking to your loins. He's talking to what's going to come from you, out of you. When God speaks, He speaks. He, every word is impregnated with purpose. So when He says to, to, to Kalen, come follow me, I'll bless you. He's already thinking of Kalen's great-grandchildren. He's not even thinking of Kalen. Because it's not about Kalen. Don't you get it? He's not in this time frame. He's not locked up in this place. He has a timeline from, from Adam to Jerusalem, the new one. That's his timeline. And he has a plan. And that plan is, he's calling a nation from a nation. A nation, a nation of... A nation. Of kingdoms, of kings and priests. Are you with me? This is the kind of God we're dealing with. And we're sitting there going, oh Lord, uh, I need a job. And God's going, yes. Do you know what I see? What I'm speaking to you now, it's not even about you just needing a job. It's about a provision for your great-grandchildren. It's about a purpose in their hearts that will last in them for eternity. And you're worried about these temporary things. Do you not believe me? Do you not trust me? Do you not think that I am who I say I am? That's what we do when we come and worship with fear in our hearts. With worry about stupid things. Come on, just thinking in your own life, how many times have you come to God with a trivial thing that you made out to be something so big? And in a couple of months, you look back and you're like, oh, jeez, I'm so embarrassed. That's like every time. <laughs> it's like, Lord, I'm this king, I'm this... But, you know, like last week, I was like, jeez, I can't believe <laughs> that one thought had me caught up for six weeks of my life. Hello? Come on, this is more than you. This is, this is something bigger than you. Hello? Hello? 
Can you hear what I'm saying this morning? We're going to sit on this, on this kingdom teaching until you get it. And then when you get it, it's going to be on you. The indictment will be on you that if there's an empty chair next to you. Hello? The indictment will be on you that your friends and your family are not hearing the message that you're hearing. That's going to be between you and God. We're going to give you the truth, and we're going to see. We're going to see what, what comes from it. We're going to see how serious you take what God's call is on your life. Next year, God has already put in my heart. He said to me, it's the year of souls. We're running out of time. It's souls, souls, souls. The agenda is souls. I don't care about your businesses. The WEF are going to come take it away anyway. Hello? I don't care about your car. You're not allowed to drive your V8 anyway. You have to go get yourself an electrical car. Hello? Apparently, they're much faster anyway for your speed freaks. Are you with me? It's not about those things anymore. God is saying now is the time. That's okay. We can see the doors are closing just like Noah sat in that ark and he waited for the moment and those doors slowly closed and no one else could get on. That's what's happening in front of our faces right now and we're still coming to God at this time. Oh, help me with this trivial thing. Oh, my, my boyfriend said this to me, Lord. I don't know if I'm really beautiful enough. What? Excuse me? Get a laugh in Jesus. My gosh. Somebody was showing me a picture the other day of, of, a, of a girl taking a selfie on a train track, and the, track, the train behind her was called New World Order. She's taking a selfie, and the train is about to smash her to bits. That's what's happening. Where's the church? Where's this kingdom that God has been talking about for the last 2,000 years? It's, it's nowhere to be seen in buildings. It's not in any structure. Turn to the person next to you, point to their heart and say, that's where it is. If it's not coming out of there, there's a problem. Hello? Hello? Here's some, here's some things that we need to understand. The purpose of our walk with God, the purpose of our faith, okay, is the restoration, listen carefully, this is what Jesus came to preach. Jesus never preached about anything else except the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. Hello? So the purpose of our walk, our belief with God, our, our intimacy with God, everything with God, is to restore the kingdom of God on earth in man's Heart. That's it. Hello? That's all our walk is about. And along the way, we get to experience and partake of His nature. What a blessing. What a blessing. Amen? Kingdom of heaven on earth. Today, 99% of Christians, they get saved, they get their ticket to heaven, and they think it's all about... Oh, one day in the great by and by, we're going to fly away. 
No, 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 no. Jesus said it's not about you going to heaven. It's about heaven coming here. That's what he said. If you think I'm a liar, go check the Bible. If you think I have an angle to this message to try and get you to do something, go see what Jesus said. And then come back and correct us. Amen? Hello? Where did he say he will build his kingdom? In the hearts of men. Amen? It was always about bringing this righteous kingdom to earth. It was never about anything. And it wasn't like a kingdom of Rome or a kingdom of the, the uh, Persians. Or, it wasn't that kind of kingdom. It was a kingdom that could dispense truth at all costs. A kingdom that knew when to dispense mercy when mercy was needed. Grace when grace is needed. It's a kingdom of his nature. It's a kingdom of his nature. Beautiful. Amen? That's what it was all about. But that's not enough for Christians. We've got to see this kingdom destroy the Muslims. We've got to take back the seven spheres of society. And produce every Hollywood movie must be a Christian. Get over it. It's never going to happen. Hello? I wonder what Terminator would be like if he was Christian. <laughs> you can jump in any time, eh? I'm no, just no, going through points. You're on the floor there. Make your notes. <laughs> okay, so what does Psalm 24 verse 1 say? Let's just go there quickly. I hope I got the right... Reference. What does that scripture say? Can we all read it out together? Three, two, one, go. Okay. So, everything belongs to God. Do you think he's chasing down China? He wants to conquer China and take the land away from China. Huh? China did that. <laughs> Yeah, China's, do, China's, China's trying to do that. So what does he say? The earth belongs to him. The earth is his. Can we get over whose land is whose here? Sojourner. Let's just throw that out there. Amen? Let's go to Isaiah 9 verse 7. So the earth belongs to God. He's not trying to get anything. This chair is crazy. What is going on here? Okay. Of the greatness of his government and the peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time and forever, on forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. The greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He's talking about an eternal kingdom in the new Jerusalem where he will reign on his father's throne, David. Just by the way, why is he not reigning on Jer Jeroboam and all the Boam kingdoms? Because David was the perfect example of a king and a priest. He was a king who could worship God. That's why. That's why he's known as the one who was after God's own heart. Because he was a king, he had all the power, all the authority, everything but he still knew how to get down on his knee and depress himself, his wisdom, his wants, his ways. Yes, he fell to some problems. Woman, it's always a woman. It's always been a woman since the Garden of Eden. 
by the way, guys, why, why is it always woman? <laughs> it's not the woman. Who is it? The woman's there. But what is man's issue with the woman? 100%. That's the thing. This is my point. Yeah. <laughs> What's his name? Andrew Tate's brother. You know the Tate brothers? The fake brothers. That's who they are. They come up on the thing and this guy says, you know, to be a real man, you must know how to bed a virgin. He's sitting there with his, with his glass, sunglasses on, his big cigar, and he's like, this is how you trick a virgin into bed. This is what a man, this is how a man does this, this is how a man does that, whatever, whatever. To be a man, you must subdue all the women in your atmosphere and whatever, whatever. Did you know that, funny enough, I was, I was telling Dalron, you know, Dalron and I have some discussions now and then about men. And I said to him the other day, and I said, you know what, Dalron, crazy thing is, eh, in the... In the early 1800s, 1700s, and when you go back, you know, if a man slept around, if he was promiscuous, he was known as feminine. What? That's Do you know why he was known as feminine? Because women were understood to be promiscuous because they lived by their emotions and their feelings. But if a man slept around, he wasn't a man's man, he was a woman. In the eyes of Men, because he couldn't control his emotions. So he was seen as a weak, a weaker, uh, uh, right? Are are you with me? But today these guys stand up and they say, this is what makes a man's man. But can you just think about the quality of men we had then, ladies? Huh? If you can't keep it in your pants, you're actually a little wuss. There you go. If you ever, ever wondered what the benchmark was, there you go. And that's, and that's the truth. Go check it out. Go check it out. Amen? Uh, where were we? <laughs> Talking about woman. Okay, we did Isaiah. David, yeah, we did, we did David. We did yes. Isaiah. Okay, we can quickly go before we get into what you wanted to go into. Let's go and establish this stuff, uh, Genesis 6. No, sorry, Genesis 12, 1 to 6. Let's go there. Let's read this together. See, because we're, we're trying to establish, why did Jesus only speak about the kingdom? Yeah. Man, there's so many things that he could have spoken about, but all he spoke about was the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is near you. The kingdom of God has come upon you. He looked at the, the Pharisees and he says, if I cast this demon out, you must know. This is a charge against you. The kingdom of God is upon you. That's what he said to them. Look at this. The Lord had said to Abraham, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. Keep going. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. Why? There's a purpose behind this. I'm not just blessed so I can drive a BMW. Come on. <laughs> okay. I will bless those who bless you. Why? Why? You're telling me to leave my father's house. You're telling me to leave the people I know. You're telling me to leave my country so that I can go and you're going to make this nation and you're going to bless me. But for what? For what? I could just stay here and be a leader. My father is the leader of Nimrod's army. 
Um, he's a general. I mean, why, why can't I just stay here? I can live off my, my father's fame. What's the purpose? What am I going to get out of this? Hello? Why? So I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse you. Jeez, but I didn't ask for that. <laughs> why? Why? What's this got to do with me? You want to curse people that curse me? What is this all about? And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. Hello? This thing was way bigger than Abraham. Like we said on Wednesday, God wasn't even interested in Abraham. God was interested in Abraham's loins. Hello? Where's Abraham's loins? Look around you. We are the seed that is born from the promised seed, Christ. Amen? A new creation where the Greek and the Jew become one man. In Christ. Hello? That purpose, you're sitting here today in this moment listening to this message because of that call from God to one man 4,000 years ago. That's insane. Hello? Do you understand what a God of purpose we serve? All the nations were called out of that nation. Today we have Indians, Chinese, Africans, Europeans that are serving God, that have become one new man in Christ. Because of that thing there that took place 4,000 years ago. Hello? Now, when God speaks to you and He says it's going to be okay, can, can you please trust Him? Because He can see thousands of years ahead of you. Please? Hello? If He says, lose yourself and find me, can you please stop trying to protect yourself, build yourself, preserve yourself? Can you see that He's got something greater? He can see thousands ahead, thousands of years ahead of you. Hello? Hello? Do you see what a great God we serve? Do not bring our great God down to your small little plan. I want 2.5 kids in a white picket house in Santon. I'm going to go get a degree. I'm going to work, 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 work. And I'm going to, that's what I'm going to have, Bash. What do you think? No, don't don't do it. No, I won't do it. (laughs) Is his purpose not greater than ours? It is. That's it. Huh? Hello? Yeah. Turn to the person next to you and say, hey, are you a king or are you just dumb? <laughs> huh? King and dumb. I'm almost finished setting this up and then we can get to your thing. <laughs> yeah, turn it past Okay. Okay. Actually, I'll, I'll just build on what you're talking about. Uh, yeah, I think, I think the, the, the life is there. Yeah. So let's go, to, let's go to Exodus 19, verse 6, quickly. Let's just, just establish what he says to Moses. Because remember, now he says this to Abraham. Then Abraham's kids get born, Isaac and, and Jacob, you know. And then what happens? Everybody knows them as the, the people of God. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's the fame of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Why? Because it's the nation that God called from his loins. And they go and they go, and eventually one of their younger brothers becomes a leader in Egypt, and he feeds them through the famine and all that kind of stuff. 
And then a new Pharaoh comes in and he sees how God's blessing on these people is starting to thrive in Egypt. And guess what he does? He comes against them. He gets hate in his heart towards them. And then he says, no, I'm going to turn these guys into slaves. So God goes and meets another man in the bush somewhere who doesn't wear sandals. Well, he was wearing sandals. He told him to take his sandals off. Okay. And he says to Moses, come on. He says to Moses, come on. I need a man to help me go fetch the nation that's going to save the nations. Hello? He says, come, we're going to go and fetch that nation that's going to save the nations. And what does he do? He says, to, uh, he says to him, let's go. He takes him into the wilderness. He does all these things, and this is what he says to Moses. He says, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. You'll be for me a kingdom of priests. Remember what we said last week? Water, born of the mother's womb, flesh, you have authority in this place. And then you're born of the Holy Spirit. Now you have kingdom authority in this body, in this place. That's how God has set it up. You are king and priest. You have authority in this place to call authority from the kingdom of heaven into the kingdom of earth. You actually have that authority. And that's what he is coming to do. That authority is not to make you famous, not to make you fat, not to make you whatever, rich. It's to bring about the nation that saves the nations. Hello? This is the message of the gospel. It's been lost because we've all been chasing the blessing. We've all been chasing the blessing. Amen? The kingdom of God. And like you say, you know, we've been lost because we're all chasing the blessing. Anyone here now, when you see this mission, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and you know, it's so amazing that God himself declared, when he, whoever he spoke to in Israel at the time, he says, I am the God of your forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Right? You can go read it. He does it numerous times, you know. Um, and the reason I want to mention that is for my next question. So when you hear this mission and this purpose, okay, can be honest, anyone here feels like that's a bit hectic? Anyone? Wink at me. Feels a bit hectic, right? Because why? We, we, have con- we have consumed our lives with getting our things done. And we've always said here, yeah, listen, getting our things done is a non-negotiable, guys. We have to do our things, right? But what's important to remember is that somewhere along the line, getting our things done has crept in that we can create a perfect condition, a perfect circumstance. Because we're all living, you know, a certain lifestyle. We have objectives. We have goals in life. You know, all these kind of things. But Jesus' mission and his message when he came to speak about the kingdom was telling you that there's only one perfect environment. And that environment is his kingdom. So let's, let's take it for example. Now, if you know Abraham's history, okay, we, he's the grandson son of Terah, grandson, whatever he is. And uh, it was in um, Nimrod's army, hey? General, his dad was a general in Nimrod's army, you know, all these things. So Abraham had a, a thing set up for him that he was going to be a man of notoriety. You know, Nimrod's uh, kingdom back then was, was hectic, man. That guy was rough. He was a dictator of dictators, right? So he was on his way. And he finds God, right? Because he asks. They, they were taught to worship the moon. He finds God. By asking, okay, who created this thing that I think is God, right? And God appears to him, right? Because Jesus himself said that, behold, I knock. 
If anyone seek, they will find, all right? He explains this mechanic. So when God appears to Abraham, he immediately starts explaining this vision to him. Now, remember we, we made the statement earlier, it's a kingdom of his nature, right? Now, a lot of people, when, when they think about these accounts in the Bible, it sounds like God is incredibly selfish, right? You guys agree? Abraham, I want you to give up your life and do what I tell you. Hello? I'm being real with you guys this morning because I found personally, like for Christians, this is where they, they hear the power of this truth. Like Pastor Didi explained this morning. Like, jeez, I want to be part of this mission. Right? You guys know what I'm saying? But then in your heart, something stirs and be like, what about all my stuff? What about everything I've been building? What, what about my legacy, my inheritance for my children? You know, all these kind of things. But what we fail to understand is that the way God brought across his purpose was an indication to Abraham, right, that not only would he be fulfilled in everything he desired, but his vision was too small. Are you guys with me? For example, I will make you a father of many nations. Your descendants will be countless, like the grains of sand on the sea, right? Why would God specifically mention that? Do you think God wanted to fill a building or stadium? In the world? No, because you were deemed as incredibly wealthy in ancient days to have many descendants. Are you guys with me, right? So when God mentioned that to Abraham, that was not the only thing he wanted to do, but he was giving assurance to Abraham that you're not going to be left out here if you follow me. Are you with me? And unfortunately, modern church, because they desire the blessing so much, they have been told to give their pound of flesh to get a blessing. They haven't been told about the body that was given at the cross for them. Are you guys with me? Now, here's the kicker, right? You need to understand that if you're coming to God and you want to be part of this purpose, you need to believe without a doubt that you're not going to lose. If you can't do that, you're not going to make any headway. Are you guys with me? You need to believe that he is who he says he is and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. That is it. End of story, guys. Oh, but God, what about my? Oh, but God, what about my? What are you saying out of your heart? You're saying, I don't believe you're going to look after me. Are you with me? Right? It, that's as simple as it gets. Now, when we think about the kingdom of God, we think that God's a dictator. Okay? So how the kingdom's supposed to look, right? You know, we, were, we, we had a very, very short holiday in a church back in the day, right? It was literally like for three months. Those of you who've been with us long enough, you know that holiday we had. Praise Lord. But anyway, these guys, they had specific settings for the lights to facilitate the presence of God. Hey, that's only the tip of the craziness iceberg, Okay. We, as the worship team, we weren't allowed to deviate one BPM, one chord, one verse, one bridge. Oh, Jerry, you remember? You weren't allowed to deviate because why? You will affect the anointing flowing on the man, the set man, the head of the ministry. My blood pressure, praise the Lord. So what is the point that I'm making? Is that you see, the statement we made earlier that it is a kingdom of his nature. It is not a kingdom that appeals to ego. 
It is not a kingdom that appears to vanity, uh, appeals to vanity, that appeals to confidence and all these things. It's a kingdom of his nature. But now what's the beauty of that? The beauty of that is this, is that if you're walking with the love of God in your heart and you're experiencing it and you're expressing it, this is how God gets glory, is that his love is expressed in your uniqueness. This is how dynamic his kingdom is. If you're walking around with the peace of God in your heart, one person is going to bring peace, right? It's the same peace. They're going to express it in one way, and another person is going to express it another way. And you know what happens when every person is doing that? Is that every person is taken care of. Are you guys with me? Right? This is how dynamic God's kingdom is, how, how immense his purpose is, is that it's not as linear as we can see or we can hope or we can think. But his nature is the key. You see, the perfect environment that we are searching for, ladies and gentlemen, is the kingdom. Now, when you hear the message of the kingdom, like I was saying earlier, something turns in your heart. You're like, Rrr. Like now you mentioned BMW. Must I go sell my car now? No, that's not what he's saying. That's between you and the Lord. <laughs> that's, that's not what he's saying, right? But if my motive was in line with what he was talking about, then by all means, that's between me and the Lord, right? But God's not saying, listen, everyone needs to drive a Ford Mustang, 5 liter V8. That is it. That's how it works in my kingdom. You think he cares about that? He does not care about that. What he cares is that your heart is established in him. Are you guys with me? Now, last week, we were talking about how Jesus is the door, right? He's a doorway. Or the door, whatever we're going to call him. Okay, let, the scripture says, okay, let's go to scripture. Yeah, uh, John 1 verse 30. There's a very, very interesting encounter that, that, that happens here. This is like the weirdest thing. Uh, it's it's uh, Philip and Nathaniel, not Nathaniel, Nathaniel, right? South Africans, no? No. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Jesus calls him, and he comes to Jesus and is like, how did you know? And Jesus is like, no, I saw you sitting under the tree. So Nathaniel's like, you are the son of God. So Jesus says to him, he says here, uh, John 1, 30, 1 verse 30. So he says here, he said, um, this, is, uh, this is the one I meant when I said, a man who comes, what? Is this the one? 50, sorry, Dom. It's not 30, it's 50. Yeah, there's that many verses in some of John's things. There we go. So Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. Okay, listen. We all have our benchmarks to believe, right? Can we just be like Nathaniel? Just because Jesus saw him under the fig tree, he believes. My gosh. Some people wake up every day fully provided for. They still don't believe God's good. Some people go to church for 20 years, hear the gospel, they still don't believe God is who he says he is. Jesus said, I saw you under the trees, like you're the son of God. We're like, what? Do you know what we should actually start every message off with? Yeah. As a reminder, we should start off every message to go to, that says this. Those who will take this message and rejoice in it are usually those who lose it by the time they get to their car. Probably. Because that 20 years of coming to church and you still don't believe mm. is because every time the seed gets sown into the soil, as soon as the cares of the world come in, 
gets ripped out. They, yeah. they, they take it with, they take it with what? They take it with uh, um, uh, happiness and joy and they're excited and all that. But as soon as they go out into the world, the seed dies. That's why 20 years in church and nothing changes. Yeah, 100%. 100%. So, I mean, so yeah, Jesus says, you will see greater things than that. Now, listen, the guy didn't set the bar very high. Let's be honest. Jesus just saw him under a fig tree, okay? He was still going to see the dead being raised and, you know, healings and provisions and everything. But here's a scripture that I think a lot of people overlook sometimes. So let's go next. 51. He then added, now this is Jesus, and he said, Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Now listen, for a guy who, saw, who was seen under the fig tree, this is a bit of a heavy response, right? Don't you guys agree? Okay. And also, what the heck, Jesus? Heaven open and the angels of God descending and descending on you. What are you talking about? That is, that's even a weird analogy. It's like they go up on his left shoulder, come down on his right shoulder. What, what does this look like, you know? And you must remember that everything that Jesus told the people of those days, whatever they were Jews, Samaritans, whatever it was, he had a purpose. Because every opportunity that he had to talk about himself or to explain his purpose and who he was, he used the confirmation of their traditions and their history. Because you see, throughout the ages, they carried, when the Messiah comes, this is who he will be. Are you with me? And he used that imagery to explain certain things about himself. So what did he do here? Genesis 28, verse 10. We'll close with this one. Because we spoke about Jesus being the door, right? Genesis 28.10. Hello? There we go. I don't know, but while you're looking for it, maybe I was talking about your loins because maybe there's a baby coming, dude. I don't know. <laughs> oh, Vasi missed that one. Vasi's going to be so excited. Wow, why did God talk, use your loins as an example this morning? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> okay, so check this out. So, um... Okay, so Jacob left Beersheba and set out to Haran, okay? When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and he lay down to sleep. I don't know if anyone's ever used a rock as a pillow. That's rough, okay? He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth, right? With its top reaching to heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Where did we see that? Hold on. Verse 13. There above it stood the Lord and, and he said, now listen, this is what God said in the midst of this vision. I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. So when Jesus says, verily I say unto you, you are going to see the angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Is he not referencing this exact promise that God made to those nations? And check what Jacob says. Listen to what he says here. He says, 
16. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. So what was Jesus saying in John 1? Jesus is the gate of heaven. Guys, any other belief that you have independent of Jesus is pure fault. Get over it. There is no pure heart except one that is secure in Christ. End of story. Nothing. Christ is the only one who can purify your motives. I don't care what religion you are. I don't care what experience you have. I don't care how many charities you run. Praise God. Good works are good works. But you are not pure until you're in Christ. Amen? Why am I saying that? Because it is only the pure that enter the kingdom, ladies and gentlemen. It's only the pure. If you do not accept that when I am in Christ is the only time that I have access to the kingdom. If you do not accept that, you will always struggle with experiencing what we just read. Are you guys with me? It's a fact. Why? Because it's only in Christ that you have the justification that you're worthy of it. You know, in the Old Testament, God had to use physical or tangible kind of uh, signs, you know? Like, like when they used to pray before, they used to put a fleece of wool, you know? And then when they wake up in the morning, if the fleece was wet, they had a yes. If it was dry, it was a no. Right? Same like with Abraham, with Moses, with the Israelites. They had all these crazy signs and wonders and miracles to show them that God is who he says he is. Right? Yet they, st they still did not believe. You know, you could get every promotion that your heart desires. And come the first trouble at work, you still won't believe that God's good. Because the only time you're going to believe that God's good is when you choose to believe that he is who he says he is. And that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. And when you go into your heart and you experience God in the place that you were designed to experience him, right? Then you will have confirmation. You will have an experience that confirms that belief. Are you guys with me? Now, when you go in there, you're not worried about the conditions of your life being imperfect. You're not worried about not meeting your standards because immediately now when you go into your heart and you experience God's nature, what you're going to do is, is you're going to experience the empowerment to go and change those things. Are you guys with me? Flowing in the kingdom is not a magic spell or all these things, ladies and gents. It's about persuading your heart to the justification that Christ has given you and experiencing God based on that. Are you going to God in fear? You need to believe in the justification of Jesus or what he's provided for you. Are you going to God in guilt and condemnation? You need to experience the justification that Christ has provided for you. Amen? And the greatest glory you can bring to God, to Jesus, is to go through Jesus. Go through him into the kingdom and exercise and live what exactly. he died for you to have. Exactly. And when we walk through that door, ladies and gents, do you know what we're declaring? Like, oh, I don't have my ID card. But you know, like in South Africa, like you have rights in this country if you have an ID card, right? I'm not talking about whether your rights are respected or not. I'm saying you have rights, okay? <laughs> you have rights because you have an ID card, right? Do you know... 
That when you enter by Jesus, do you know one thing you have? That all of us wish we had in every area of life? Confidence. Imagine you have a million rand in a bank account, but no confidence for anything. What are you going to do? Are you with me? But someone who has nothing but has confidence in God is limitless. Praise the Lord. So, <laughs> confidence is the key here to walking in the kingdom, guys. And if you have confidence in many different things in life about your value, your purpose, and, you know, your worth, all these kind of things, in, in, if you have that stuff in the world, change it. Change it to Jesus so that you can have the confidence to say, listen, if God's put this on the table, I can take it. If God's put this on the table, I'm worthy of it. Let's go, Lord. You're with me. Amen. Amen. Why don't we stand to our feet, everybody? Just close your eyes. Put your hand on your heart. And let's just say this. Let's just, let's just declare something over ourselves this morning. Say, Father, when you speak to me, I know you're speaking not just about now. You're speaking about a purpose way beyond this moment in time. My heart is, Lord, it's ready to live in your purpose, your timing. So say whatever you need to say. Declare whatever you need to declare. Show me whatever I need to see. And I will promise you that I will drop every weight, every false priority, responsibility that I've put on myself through my flesh. And I will run, Father. I will run into your kingdom. I will run for your kingdom so that I can be prepared to run your kingdom with you in the new Jerusalem. I declare today I've come to that place. My life is not my own. It belongs to you. I want your heart. I want your kingdom above all else. In Jesus' mighty name. Give him a big shout of praise. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.